My guest today is Fiona Oakes. Fiona is renowned as an endurance runner, the fastest woman in the world to run a marathon on all seven continents and the North Pole. Fiona has competed in over 100 marathons and set five marathon course records around the globe, including the Antarctic Ice Marathon. She has run three times the gruelling Marathon des Sables, often billed as the toughest foot race on the planet. In 2018, Fiona broke her fourth Guinness World Record by becoming the fastest female to run a half marathon in an animal costume, dressed as a cow. Fiona has been vegan since the age of six. She participates in endurance sport to demonstrate that her diet is not prohibitive to performance and to raise awareness of her sanctuary called Tower Hill Animal Sanctuary, which she founded in 1996, where she cares night and day for 500 rescued animals, to which she has devoted her life. Fiona is also the subject of Running for Good, a documentary film by Keegan Kuhn, centred around her run in the 2017 Marathon des Sables, and she's written a book by the same name. However, when Fiona was a child, things looked very different. She had many, many, many health issues and underwent numerous surgeries. At one point, she thought she would not be able to walk. We discuss her incredible story and how she found a way through despite the odds. You are listening to Double Espresso with D with me, D Sterling. I love a great story. So in this season, I will talk to incredible people who've experienced huge pivotal moments of real change by choice or by circumstance. From stories of reinvention and inspiring career pivots to the dramatic shifts that happen in moments of crisis, I hope you can join us each week to hear about their fascinating and inspiring journeys. My guest today is the incredible Fiona Oakes. Fiona, welcome to Double Espresso with D. Well, Fiona, you have been up since 3.30, which we are going to come back to because I think that's part of your morning routine. But you have made a name for yourself, um, not just in the space of veganism and with your animal sanctuary, but also as an endurance runner apart from the pack. You're the fastest woman in the world to run a marathon on all seven continents and the North Pole. However, going back to your childhood, I think it was your preteens, you were very young and you lost a kneecap due to a birth defect or a growth defect. You were told you'd never walk properly again, let alone run. You underwent 17 radical knee surgeries, which ultimately led to you having your right kneecap removed. What is your memory of that terribly challenging time? It's in the dim and distant past, and I, I tend to not dwell on it um, too much. Obviously, it was at, in a different age, and I think people have to remember that there wasn't social media, there wasn't even mobile phones. Um, it, it was tough. I mean, it was just like, every day going into the unknown I didn't know what was going to happen it was literally very demoralizing I kept going to the hospital and you know you'd end up six weeks in plaster after surgery and then come out of plaster and that operation would have done no good but it was also at a time and I think a lot of the younger generation can't actually accept this that you didn't really question things 
you didn't ask, um, you know, um, th- there wasn't the sophisticated procedures that they've got now to actually diagnose things. Um, so you just literally got on with it. And it was really, really difficult. I mean, this is just a time um, and it was a very, very hard time personally with my family. Um, my dad was in the mining industry and in the UK that was just falling apart. Um, he was on strike much of the time. Uh, this is at a point um, before there were furlough payments or, or uh, you know, sort of food banks. My parents received a um, knock at the door and they said if they couldn't afford to feed us, we could, they were setting up soup kitchens to go to. So it was incredibly tough. But as I look back, it's just part of me. It's part and you of just who got I am. Through. Yeah, you just get through. And in adversity, you do get through. And I think that this is probably why I'm so good at adapting to what other people perceive as challenging tasks or a challenging life, because I'm used to just getting on with it. Don't analyse it too much. I, I certainly don't think, I don't blame anyone and I don't want to be a victim or anything like that, because life has taught me that um, I'm blessed. Despite everything, I'm blessed. Well, that is a wonderful outlook. And Gina, how did you go from there to running? What changed to get you running? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very, very, it's a convoluted story. This is, it's really, really hard to cram like 40 years into 40 minutes or something like that. But <laughs> after the surgeries, I'd literally missed all my education. Bearing in mind, we go back to the fact there was no homeschooling, no Zoom meetings. I was literally left, cast aside by school. Mum did what she could, but she was a student nurse. So um, it was my um, godfather who said, she's got to get a skill set after all these surgeries. Um, he enrolled me at a college um, in Oxford uh, to, um, to become a secretary, which probably wasn't <laughs> the best. Role Hard to me. see that one now. Yeah, right? I mean, you can't imagine me as a secretary. Can you? I mean, my poor bosses. I mean, you know, back, oh, back in the nineties, what have we got here? You know. um, but you know, um, I came to London then to work as a secretary. Got very much into cycling, push bike riding because I knew that I'd been told that I could never ever do anything high impact sport. But in Oxford, cycling was the big thing, so I got into cycling, and then um, things moved forward and um, had an opportunity of living my dream, which had always been to have an animal sanctuary. And uh, back in 1996, that came to fruition. And um, the idea was that I would just dedicate all my time to caring for animals at sanctuary. And what was the genesis for that? Because you were a vegan, weren't you, from a very early age, from when you were, I think, six. No, um, my parents certainly weren't vegetarian or vegan. I don't, you know, I tend to think with this sudden development of veganism, or plant-based living. Everybody's had the facts put in front of them and now they're making decisions. I kind of made the decision without the facts and the reasons. And as my life is developing, I'm kind of doing it the opposite way around and realizing the reasons. But back at the, in that day, it was simple. It was just, I loved animals. I've always had this direct contact with animals that I probably didn't necessarily have with humans. And um, having this dream of nurturing animals seemed the next progression from actually just not eating them. That was the next thing to care for them. 
But um, after a few years of doing that, and I did other things as well. I joined the retained fire service because I'm very, very active. That's the one thing I, I would advise to anyone. Know your strengths. Don't dwell on 100%. your weaknesses. Know your strengths. More. Discover your strengths and, and kind of manipulate them and exploit and them. amplify them, right? Exactly. Yeah. So... Um, I was kind of doing that. And everything I do in some way indirectly um, works out as to whether it will benefit the animals. So you think, well, you joined the fire brigade. <laughs> yeah, but back 20 years ago, um, there weren't many women in the fire brigade. I was the first in our division. So I thought, OK, um, this is an opportunity not just to fulfill a need in me in terms of, you know, physically you know it it, um, it it earned some money for the for the animals in the sanctuary but it also gave me an opportunity to introduce a concept to a group of people an audience that wouldn't necessarily be exposed to it i.e veganism in the fire brigade can i ask you fiona at going into the fire what was the appeal i think it was a little bit of everything uh, but helping others being able to help others um, was a big thing for me. Being a useful and productive member of society and using what time I have for the benefit of others. And that stayed with you, it right, was, ever since? Yeah, I, I am a very kind of, I, I don't crave physical things, but I am quite greedy in terms of ambition. I'm not ruthless with ambition, but I know I'm very well aware and I think that the time I spent in terms of wasted as a teenager in and out of hospital. No fault of your own, by the way, of course. No fault of my own. Um, it was a time that I'm, made me very acutely aware that life is short and you don't have an awful lot of time to make a difference. So every minute must count. That's the great imperative with me. So Fiona, you, you today, and I know that you're, you're up most days at 3.30 and you work, you go on and for as long as you have to, often into the middle of the night with the animals and looking after them and nurturing them and saving them because many of them are rescue animals. Where did you find time to start running in all of that? I started running because I was quite frustrated at the negativity towards veganism. And I soon realized that no matter how many animals I physically helped at that moment, there were billions out there that I could not do anything for. Me not eating them was not enough. Nobody knew that I didn't particularly eat them. You know what I mean? You know, nobody knew that I'm this enormously strong individual at fighting and whatever I'm doing, you know, caring for the animals. It's very, very physical work. But I wanted to just say in a very positive and proactive way, hey, and by the way, guys, guess what? I'm vegan. So I kind of thought, well, what can I do? You know, I'm not an academic. I have got this proclivity towards physical things. I'm strong. And at the time, Paula Radcliffe was running marathons and she was achieving flamboyant press coverage. And it got all the hashtags, that event had particularly got the hashtags which appealed to people in that it was billed as the toughest event in the athletic calendar, uh, mentally, physically, to get round a marathon. And that's something else I'll say. 20 years ago, there weren't the events there are now. No, quite. It's marathon evolved. running was, it's pretty serious stuff. You know, uh, if you ran a marathon, that was the, the ticket. That was the definitive stamp. You, you're tough. So ideally, I thought, well, I wonder if I could just compete in and hopefully complete a marathon. And as a vegan 
woman or person, then that's got to show that you, it's not prohibitive. You know, isn't, there's not this idea that you, you can't be strong just eating plants. And that's what got me into it. I didn't know that I could run. I mean, you know, I knew that I was fit in terms of I knew I'd passed a bleep test to get in the fire brigade. So, but when did you realise, given what you'd gone through in your childhood with your surgeries and your knee issue, when did you realise that you could run? Because not everybody can run. It's your point about strengths, right? Not everybody is great at everything. I still don't honestly believe very much that I can run. And I still do have doubts and I still do have fears running and what are um, your fears people say um fears when I was uh, particularly at endurance events like the North Pole or in the desert that I'm going to dislocate my knee which I can do very easily because there's no kneecap to keep it stable even in those events I know I can't run downhill that's not a possibility for me I kind of realized when when I first did the London Marathon and, you know, after a couple of years of kind of running about doing a few local events, you know, um, just there was no Google. You couldn't just search, oh, sub three hour training plan or no Peloton or no nothing like that. It was all done by gut feeling. And um, I suppose when, you know, the definitive with um, a marathon is, especially as, as a female marathon, if you can get under three hours, you're doing well. And I did that in, in the London Marathon the first time. And it was kind of, wow, um, you've qualified to stand next to Paula Radcliffe on the start line of the race. You've qualified to run out the front of, you know, before the, the elite men. You're with the elite women. It sounds bizarre. I don't dwell on myself. I'm not into myself at all. Everything I do, I genuinely do for the animals. I don't. It's really, really hard for me to, to say this to people, but... I am just what you see. I'm scruffy and I don't wear makeup and I don't, I am very natural and I, I, this is who I am. There's no show. I don't do the social media. I don't crave attention. I've just done it for the animals. I don't want to be a star. I don't want my name to be out there. I just want the message. And I know you you don't necessarily see yourself as this, but you're a massive example to many that you can get out and do something, right? If you put your mind to it, it's about taking that first step. It's about the mental side of it uh, for me. I, I'm not physically blessed. I, I mean, you know, okay, bits don't fall off when I run down the road. They sometimes feel like they're going to. It's mental discipline. I'm very disciplined. Can we talk about that? Because I wanted to talk about you have won many marathons. You've won many accolades. You've broken lots of records. In 2013, you won both the Antarctic Ice Marathon and the North Pole Marathon. I mean, seriously. And became the fastest woman to compete on each continent. And I know you you sometimes talk about like an epiphany or or a moment of change at the North Pole. Tell me about that moment. My running has been a progression, okay? I don't consider myself a massive runner, even though I'm wearing my vegan runner top. Um, But I don't find myself as Fiona Oates the runner. That's just part of who I am. So when I started running, it was competing and complete a marathon. Then, obviously, it's sub three hours, sub 250, sub 240 that I wanted to run. Then it's, okay, um, I'm challenging myself. I'm spending a lot of time doing this. Is it worth it? Am I getting the results I wanted? So um, I kind of, in 2012, I did my, (laughs) I was friends suggested 
My friend called Paul. He's, if people think he's your friend, what do your enemies tell you to do? But he suggested do the Marathon de Sable. It's the toughest race on the planet. If you do it, that's got to really hit home with, with, you know, it's kind of this sexy kind of unknown event in the desert. So I did that in 2000. But can I stop you there for a second? Uh, because had... obviously it is considered the toughest foot race in the world with this 250k across the Sahara. But you were um, the subject of a feature length documentary running for good which talks about your life and also your participation in that race and you know I know you're not going to say this I'm going to say it sorry Fiona but you went into that race the first time on antibiotics you'd been very unwell you weren't feeling great and you were just going to see how it went how did you cope well what the film doesn't actually tell you is that I'd done it twice before so in 212, I did the Marathon de Sable. And the week before I went out there, I think he alludes to it in the film, I fractured two toes. So I had to go out to the toughest foot race on the planet with two fractured toes. And it was absolutely brutal. It was um, the most brutal thing I've ever done. I uh, remember on the long stage, I was running with a group of guys. Well, I say running, we were more crawling. Um, with a group of guys. And um, I was kind of, we, we got to, um, to the halfway stage of the long stage, which I think was about 80, 90k that year. And um, the guys wanted to rest. I didn't. I was in that much pain. And I um, took this makeshift bandage off my um, toes. And I said to, to another guy, what do you think that is on my foot? Because it was dark and my head torch wasn't that great. And he said, well, on first assessment, I think that's the bone sticking out of your little toe. And um, I'd rubbed all the skin off my little toe trying to compete. And all I could think of was at that particular point, please don't tell anyone because I don't want them to pull me out of the race. I desperately want to be the first woman to complete this, vegan woman to complete this race. And I did that. I, but it was, it was brutal but beautifully brutal. Can you elaborate on that beautifully brutal? I mean, how did you keep going? Because it's long, conditions are extreme. How did you just, how did your mind help you to keep putting one foot in front of another? I was always well aware that if the vegan woman didn't complete the race, that would probably be put down. Oh, she's obviously got brittle bones, she broke a tone, she's got, you know, vegan. you know, that was an almost. And also the fact that I suppose it is in kind of some bizarre way, the more pain. I like to sample the suffering, I suppose, so that I can understand the suffering of others better. So I want to absorb it all, absorb all the suffering, absorb all the, the denial and the hardships and carry that in my heart, mind and soul when I come back into my relatively comfortable situation, even though I do have to get up at 3.30 in the morning and work very hard. And I want to always have that in my mind that this could be a lot worse. Don't dwell, don't think you're that hard done to because you're not. What have you learned about yourself if you stand back objectively? The strength that I have is the mental ability to just get on with the task. I am very, very tough mentally. And I have an inner desire in me to help others that I, especially the animals and people that cannot be extinguished. I really do not put myself, I'm not concerned about myself and my own well-being and to the exclusion of 
others. I, I will drive myself very, very hard. That is my strength. It's just about a model. It's just about life is a model. Uh, whatever you're doing, I just want to do my best and I want to be the best I can without harming others. Um, and um, I look back at my running and this, the events that I've got coming up and I can honestly say hand on heart, it's all been done very honestly. Um, it's just grit. Do you enjoy it? Like, if you think of the next event that you're going to, a race you're going to run, I'd be lovely if you could share that with us. With us. Are you excited about that? Is it very goal-oriented? Or are you kind of excited about being in the game as such? I'm excited about the f- fact that, yeah, you, you, I can get out there and run every day. With the uncertainties that have been going on with um, over the past two years, I suppose I've just adapted the, I, I was very, very, uh, I was back to Marison de Sable in, supposed to go back in 2020 and the race was cancelled the week before. I ran my own distance here uh, to get it out of my system because bearing in mind, I've been focusing on that particular week of that year, I would be running 250 kilometres. And I think you just need to release yourself from that and do it. So I did the event here, just ran around. And I suppose I've I've adapted this idea that rather, I think people do become very wound up with focusing on things in the future and missing the present. So for me, I mean, I I pretty much run two hours every day. And that's now my event. My life is an event rather than the Marathon de Sable or, or, you know, Coastal Challenge or I've got a potential 40 miler coming up the devastation of focusing on things in the future that may not happen, you're missing today. So today's event will be to care for the animals and to run for two hours. And that will be my mini event for today. There are no guarantees in life. You learn that. There are no guarantees. Um, Do I love it? Um, I love the fact that I can do it. Yes. I mean, sometimes when you're out alone, I like to be in the wilderness. I like to be alone. Yeah, I look up and I think, how blessed am I? This is something you've been promoting for a very long time, a sort of ethical vegan lifestyle. What do you think has changed since you started really shouting out about this via your running? I am concerned about the commerciality of veganism at the moment. It's like every other word is vegan now. And, you know, everybody's jumped on this kind of bandwagon. I'll just stamp it vegan and we'll sell, you know. I am concerned about the amount of super processed foods that are now available uh, that, you know, because my my form of veganism is not today's form of veganism. It's in a very outdated way. For me, veganism was always about very, very basic and humble living, um, just plants. Um, It wasn't about expensive replacements of this, that and the other. I've never had any sort of vegan ice creams. I've never craved that sort of thing because I've never had it. What do you think needs to shift in the kind of mainstream narrative today? What things or what one thing do you think would help shift the narrative in a more wholesome, complete, constructive way? I don't like the social media toxicity and aggression that's on there. And I, I, I just wish that people could, if they're going to be um, upset about things, they seem to get upset about things that don't really matter. I can't understand how you're upset about something so minuscule. Get upset about the fact that a massive percentage of the world, world's population have got no food. Get upset about the fact that there are people out there dying unnecessarily, they've got no water. Look around at the blessings that you have in, in, this, in the Western world. You know, you turn the tap on, water comes out. Start appreciating 
the very, very basic things. Get closer to nature. That's what it is about me. Uh, get, get closer to nature. Create your own food. Cook from scratch. Don't just go down the vegan aisle and think, hmm, look at me. I'm great. I'm buying from the vegan aisle now and that's job done. That's not job done. Um, I think we just need to honestly embrace ourselves a little bit more. Get to know ourselves. Know yourself. And rather than constantly focusing on what others are doing, look at what you're doing. Look inwardly uh, rather than outwardly all the time and, and judgmentally. And uh, for me, um, I, I, I go by my heart what I feel is right, not what people are constantly telling me is right. And that just might be just outdated. I'm probably just very outdated. I mean, it, people ask me, well, how do, you, how do you run as fast as you do? How do you keep going? How do you do this? How do you do that? I don't even have a... Garmin or anything. I don't need somebody at the end of a Peloton machine shouting, you know, great, you know, I don't need to. I can motivate myself because I've got this belief I'm doing it for a, a reason. You know, it's about looking inward, right? Like knowing who you are. And one of the things I've talked about um, on my podcasts is, and I say this to my children, you know, we're all different. You know, we're all eagles and we should fly solo until we find the right eagles or right others to be with and it, it is about knowing and appreciating that you are different and that genetically and biologically we're unique and understanding what our motivations are and I think very often we're so governed by our intellect that which doesn't sit with our intuition and how we feel about ourselves how we feel about life and that is a journey inward one of my guests um, an incredible woman called Christine Handy calls it an inside job you know <laughs> you got to look inside to work out who you are so Fiona you live a life which is quite monastic in some ways. You know, you, you're um, very contained with your, your diet and eating once a day and your life is really devoted to the things that you believe in. And, and I know, you know, the time that you spend with the animals is extensive, right? It's all day and often all night. What does luxury mean to you and what would be a luxury for you? Luxury has been able to think that you've achieved your goals during that day. And hopefully, if you're blessed, you'll wake up tomorrow and be able to do it again. And realising, you know, I mean, honestly, luxury is going to a tap and turn it on and having a glass of water. Luxury is being able to walk, always realising you're blessed to be able to do it. Fiona, you've, you've experienced much change in your life. You've gone through a lot of change, some of it not always by choice, just with your help when you're younger. What does change mean to you today? How do you feel about change? I think you've always got to embrace change. You don't want to stagnate. You don't want to just be set in your ways and open to new ideas, but you've got to select the ideas which work for you within your own environment and your own mindset. Yeah, I mean, on the whole, it's a good thing because that's how we move forward as a society. But um, you've got to be part, I think it's your responsibility to be part of positive change, change for the better. That's, that's what's very important. And when you look out on the horizon, I mean, you've got this big race coming up. What do you ever envisage a day when you won't run or just stop running? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I know immediately. I mean, I always say when I turn back from a training run and I don't do what I've set out to do, that'll be the time to say I'm not going to do this anymore. I love to be in the wilderness. I love to be in the desert races. I love to be in you know, the Atacama or running on the Skeleton Coast. I love to be in nature running. I feel very privileged to to have run 
completely alone in the wilderness. Um, it's all about compassion over competition. I'm just using the running as a vehicle. I'm not, it's not what I'm doing it for. I'm not doing it for, I mean, Keegan came like, where's your trophies? I don't know. Mum, where's my trophies? I don't know. One down there that's been used as a dog bowl. Have you got like massive cuttings of um, this, you know, like, no, I haven't. Because when it's done, it's done. I'm not focusing on it. I'm not reveling in it. I've just done it for a reason. It's just a job that I've done for the animals. And it is all about compassion. And whether that compassion is extended to a, a human animal or a, um, a, just an animal, it's, it's, it's the same thing to me. What have you learned about yourself working with the animals all these years? How clever they are and how stupid I am. <laughs> um, you know, I've literally learned over the years that the important thing that I care for the animals, I care for the animals on their terms, not on the terms that I want to make them be cared for in terms of human anthropomorphizing them. I get amongst them as one of them. I don't put restrictions on them that... I can only care for you if you behave the way I want you to. I accept the fact that they are wonderful, intelligent, free, noble creatures that sh literally should be allowed to be as natural as possible amongst each other. So seeing a giant herd of horses, young and old, male and female, all together roaming, is very, very important to me. But beyond that, I love to observe them and I, you can learn so much from them. And the one thing that I have learned from the animals, and I would say this to people, is we are so similar. Don't abuse them. We are all similar. Embrace our, each other. Rather than always trying to raise differences, look at our similarities. Water, food, shelter, freedom, company, no pain. That's what we all crave. And that, I think that's what's particular. I think, do I love running? Yeah, I like the fact that I can and, you know, uh, I can be a little bit of a show off sometimes, you know, if I see somebody running down the road and I think, right, I'll go and catch you or, you know, I can do, I'm not, I'm not a saint. But at the end of the day, I think I've learned so much from the ultra races, the, the week long races where you literally have got all your, all your stuff on your back, you carry it, you've got nothing else to think about apart from literally as much as it can be survival. And you learn so much about yourself and you learn about what's important in life. If you're in the desert and somebody offers you a giant diamond, see Fiona, do you want this? How heavy is it? Oh, it's big. It's a real big one. No, I don't want to carry it. It's got no purpose out here. Give me a glass of water and that's got purpose. That's got real meaning. These things don't matter. The material things don't matter. That's what concerns me about the treadmill of commerciality. People are always being told, yeah, but if you, yeah, but get that, get that. And you're on this constant treadmill of never stopping, getting off and saying, actually, look how blessed I am. I've got enough. Let's indulge ourselves and enjoy what we've got. Enjoy the blessings we have rather than constantly striving for things that aren't going to make us happy. Well, we know that, right, that the material world will not make us happy and that people back to being an inside job, people need to go inside, they need to reconnect with the things that are really fundamental and be awake, in my view, not let their life pass them by. So Fiona, you've said the key words in my life are dedication, discipline, denial, determination, decency, and delivering these in my actions to hopefully benefit the animals. 
you know, I know you're very um, modest and gracious about how you see yourself and your incredible achievements. But what would your advice be to someone who, you know, looks up to someone like you and is inspired, but feels a bit stuck, feel they can't make the first step, feel they need to make change in their life and need to get on with it, but don't quite know how to go about it. What would you say to that person? I'd say believe in yourself and also identify, take some time away from all the madness that's going on to get to know yourself, to actually really connect with yourself. I'm fortunate and I must admit my thinking time is my running time and I really learn a lot about myself because I'm able to just focus on one foot in another and my thoughts. And I would say honestly, Detract away from all this, what other people are doing and what other people are telling you to do. And look inwardly what you want from life. What is it that you truly want to achieve? Is there anything, you know, what's it, if you like, what is it all about? What is it that you want? And kind of focus on that. Just little things even, sound bites. It is truly all about getting or acquainting yourself with yourself like meeting this person that is you and getting to know them as you would another individual get to know yourself acknowledge that life is like a balance it's not going to be perfect all the time and it's not wrong to feel sad and it's not wrong to feel down and it's not wrong to feel happy and this is like a big cake you're making and these are all the ingredients to make life richer. Those are such great words of wisdom, Fiona, and inspiration and support for many. And I think you're right, feelings pass, don't they? Even grief becomes lighter over time. Fiona, thank you Mm. so much for being with me today. I am very excited about the next adventure in your life. And um, I'm sure everyone else is going to follow with interest for the the next stage. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Fiona's story today was both inspiring and game-changing. She has reminded me how easy it is to get stuck in the trap of commercialism and materialism without being able to be present to all that we have in our lives. She talks about being blessed, that the gift of being able to run, to be in nature, to be with her animals is all that she needs. These are simple things, but they mean everything to Fiona. And it is this incredible passion, this belief that drives her on. And she certainly needs that drive. The story of her broken toes in the Marathon des Sables was horrifying and humbling. It takes enormous drive and courage to push yourself on in such conditions. But Fiona has shown that she truly knows herself. And that connection between who she is and what she believes in is solid. She can rely on it to get her through to hold her steady when fear or pain might be causing her to wobble. I'm personally so inspired by how her simple love for animals has led her to achieve so much and how it has informed life choices that are perfectly aligned with her profound sense of self. Fiona has some really important things to say about modern veganism and was a sage reminder of the fact that, like all things, a choice to do better for others is often very simple. It's only that us as humans tend to make it complicated. Thank you so much to Fiona for sharing her incredible journey this week. 
I hope you all enjoyed hearing from her as much as I did. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Double Espresso with D. Do connect with me on Instagram at D Double Espresso. I love hearing your feedback and what has resonated with you. And don't forget to join me next week for another amazing guest interview. Until then, au revoir.